but virtually going to them and telling them you can do better than this. You know, yeah. your city government has the power to take action on all the issues that you care about. And you know that. And guess what? Things can change. Room. Welcome from Sweatsville, USA. I am Francesca Fiorentini, your host for this live podcast. What is up? How are you guys? Are you fine? Are we masked? Are we laboring on this day before Labor Day? Um, I am going to warn you that this is going to be a very special show, not only because we have LA City Council candidate Nithya Raman on the show, but also because there are rolling blackouts in Los Angeles and we might lose power at any moment. This show might just go kerplunk. <laughs> I might be left in darkness. It'll be incredible. I feel like climate change is real. I like kind of like maybe and like maybe we have to solve it in our lifetimes and like, you know, maybe we need a Green New Deal and uh, we should talk to Nithya all about that. We also have comedian Mitra Johari. So excited to have her on. Um, uh, if you're listening in the future, welcome. Do we make it out of this day? Uh, that's dumb, but uh, thank you for listening as a podcast. Rate this podcast. Oh my God, five stars, four stars if you're feeling stingy, five ideally, maybe some nice words, little adjectives. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, click that button, uh, subscribe, click the bell. It lets people know that we're live. It lets you know we're live so you can scramble back from the beach or wherever you are, probably maskless because, you know, we're all pieces of shit. Uh, and you can watch the show. I am so glad you guys are here. We're also, we're looking at our 2020 bingo cards, you guys. This is, this is what we're doing. We're guessing what are the final two slots on our bingo cards that have not yet happened. Everything else has happened. Everything else has happened. So what's left? What could possibly 2020 have in store for us that it hasn't unleashed on us already? <laughs> I wanna know, I'm asking our guests, but first this show is free. You are here, you're so sweet. And we ask for your tips because we donate a portion of them to different organizations as well as use it to keep the show going. Help uh, my producer, Becca Roofer, uh, you know, just keep on roofing. Is that what they say, Becca? That's probably what they say to Becca. Um, and this week we are donating to the organization Seed the Vote. A little bit about Seed the Vote. They partner with grassroots organizations rooted in working class communities and communities of color in battleground states because they've been organizing for years there and they know the best strategies to win. And they will still be there after the election, building political power. But Seed the Vote is awesome. It basically, if you want to get involved, you can help a phone bank with them uh, once again for Joe Biden, because that's all we got, y'all, because the other option is not an option. So, uh, but they have wonderful um, grassroots organizations that are connected to. They've got good phone bank lists, meaning you're not going to get a lot of MAGA assholes just, you know, uh, giving you an earful. And uh, so go there, seed the vote and donate TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. And before... I just keep rambling a little too much with my little Sunday brain. I'm going to bring in our guests. I'm so excited. Uh, she is a writer, 
who is one third of three busy Debras on Adult Swim. She's written for Big Mouth, High Maintenance, Miracle Workers, and you can see her on the latest season of Search Party. Please welcome Mitra Johari. Hello. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Mitra's internet went out, as mine did, 10 minutes before this show. 10 minutes before. Then my computer stopped working. And then um, just to update you, I think I uh, this I think I broke my microphone. So we'll see what happens. And now I'm using my <laughs> iPhone and it will probably die mid-show. So a high stakes uh, a podcast appearance. It's so high stakes, dude. If there's like just utter whatever last words. I don't even know what my last words would ever be, but on a podcast, they'd probably be some some kind of profanity. Um, Mercury, you know what I mean? It's probably in retrograde or whatever. I don't That's so know true. how that works. I so, assume. Yeah. I don't know. Not- it feels like it always is. So it always I, I don't, is. I'm not plugged in. I'm not plugged in. I assume <laughs> that it always is. We're going with that. Guys, let us know in the comments what, um, where's Saturn right now yeah. let us know in the comments why this is happening to me <laughs> so. explain it with the universe throw some arrow please uh and also um a woman who's just changing the game here in los angeles and really inspiring a lot of young activists and organizers especially around local electoral politics the mother of twins, an urban planner, a co-founder of one of the most active homeless service coalitions of the city of L.A. She's running for L.A. City Council on a platform of ending homelessness, getting our city carbon neutral by the U.N. deadline of 2030, and re- reimagining public safety. It's Nithya Raman. After that, I feel like I should run in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> CNN intro. This is like the full thing. This is yeah. you got it. You're gonna do a hot five or ten, whatever. Um, this this is so exciting to have you here, Nithya. And you and Mitra know each other, so I feel a little outnumbered. I'm a little. <laughs> I'm on the outs. Like you guys are the in. I'm on the out. You know, you know each other. You have like a secret handshake, probably. Yeah, if there's like a big fight, I'll probably be on Nithya's side. <laughs> Damn yeah, it. likewise. <laughs> <laughs> Nithya will be on her own side. I get it. I get it. Don't leave my show. I get it. Um, we're doing an icebreaker. We do this every every single uh, show. We ask, what are you bitching about now? Uh, Mitra, what are, what are you bitching about now? Um, I guess for me, it would be every possession that I own breaking in the last 15 <laughs> minutes. Um, that's probably my big complaint. Also, that I chose to wear uh, le- not lime green neon linen, which is like pitting out all over my body. <laughs> like I'm sitting like this because I'm covered in sweat stains, <laughs> even though I just changed. So I'm currently in like a ball right now because I'm trying to conceal what is discolored. (laughs) That's fine. I think we should all just have a show and pit stain tell kind of at some point in the the program in this hour if we don't lose power. (laughs) (laughs) Nithya, what are you bitching about? Oh, uh, a lot of things. I mean, obviously the heat today. Um, What was I just bitching about, though? I had such a good thing that I was complaining about and I just completely forgot. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, guys. 
Let me let me go first. It's not that it's it's not that entertaining. It's cr kind of crazy. So I don't know all that much about this story. I don't know everything about this story. And I think the family of the victim doesn't know about this story. But this week, um, the family of Andres Guardado, who was shot and killed by police by he was shot five times, I believe. And he was he's a young security guard sort of randomly shot by police. Uh, they're suing right now because they believe that the police officer who shot him, get this, was involved in a gang that's part of a sheriff's gang in LA, in the LAPD called the Executioners. I'm like, what, what the, what the actual fuck? And uh, if you need another reason to defund the police, this is fucking it. Why are there... And apparently there are multiple gangs inside the LAPD. Nithi, am I butchering this story or is this sort of- No, the, so uh, the, it's the LASD, it's a sheriff's department. Okay. That Got is, it. yeah, that was it, that has these particular gangs. And here, oh, here's something I was bitching about earlier today. I, I was at this um, protest, which happens every day in, in front of the Sherman Oaks Galleria. It's led by this incredible organization called the Valley of Change. And they've been out there and they're there every day between 12 to eight protesting. It's incredible. And they've been been there this whole time. Mm -hmm. And um, somebody was, I was talking to somebody about this really crazy story, which is that the current CEO of the county is stepping down. Okay, so she's retiring and there's gonna be a new CEO. This is kind of like the county manager. She runs all the departments in the county and reports to the elected board of supervisors. They are paying out a uh, million and a half dollars to her for security because the sheriff's department has been harassing her so much or people from the sheriff's department have been harassing her so much. Yeah. So it's, it's all part of the same thing, like kind of the lawlessness of particularly of the sheriff's department in this case of, of law enforcement. And she's being threatened by her feeling threatened by her own like sheriff's department by the sheriff's department. Yeah. How? You know, it's, it's a really crazy story. Yeah. I just read this article and I was just talking about it earlier today, but there's something to bitch about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think we were, you know, sheriffs, I don't trust them also because like they wear tan and like they have like weird stars. Like why, why do they dress like they're in the Wild West? You know, is that a thing? Can they dress less weird than that? <laughs> um, also stop joining gangs. Hey, they maybe, maybe uh, people who enforce the law shouldn't be joining gangs. So yeah. I hope that the family of Andres Gordado gets justice for that. And, yep. and at least that we can get to the bottom of what the hell happened. Um, but okay. I'm going to see other people in the comments. Gerald Arch Kelly on Facebook is, says fall is here, but not complaining. Uh, Gerald, you failed the test. Okay. Yo, yo, this is what are you bitching about? And also <laughs> don't let humble brag about your fall. It is 110 degrees in LA. I'm just kidding. I'm glad you're here. Uh, super glad you're here. <laughs> I just, I'm just joshing you. Let's see. Well, I'm um, not. I'm not the host of the show, and I, I don't have to keep anybody around. And I'm pissed <laughs> off that he would bring up Paul. <laughs> just gonna like triangulate all of my rage to Mitra. I love it. All right, let's jump into what happened this week, you guys. This week felt like it was ten weeks into one. Uh, so much went down. Um, and we're going to make light of it. This is the week where. This was the week where. 
The Atlantic reported that Trump, the president, <clears throat> unless you forgot, uh, has made incredibly disparaging remarks about soldiers killed in combat. According to unnamed sources, James Madison, John Kelly, totally, uh, Trump didn't visit a World War I memorial in France because he didn't want his hair to get ruined in the rain. But as, as an excuse, he asked why he would go visit a cemetery full of, quote, losers and called soldiers suckers for getting killed. Uh, he also asked that wounded vets not be included in a military parade because, quote, no one wants to see that. Um, Trump doesn't understand doing anything for honor or service at all. Like, his concept of civic duty is when he takes a dump in a public restroom. Just like, I did a civic duty. Also, if there aren't, like, women or cash involved, he's like, why would I do anything at all? What I'm saying is I think Trump has less in common with an American soldier and more in common with an ISIS fighter. Right? He'd be like, at least they get 72 virgins. Whoever made that deal with Allah, it's a great deal. I also, I find this, like, incredibly offensive. I think a lot of people are offended by it, but I, I also think it's kind of funny, uh, Mitra and Ithia, because as someone who, like, hates the military industrial complex on the grounds that soldiers are often sent to kill civilians and like reinforce U.S. hegemony. Um, it's funny that like a, for the first time a president's actually being honest about like how the U.S. government treats veterans. You know, they're suckers to him because they couldn't cheat their way out of fighting a rich man's war for even more wealth. Um, what I'm saying is we should bring back the draft, but only for millionaires and billionaires. <laughs> Nithya, how, what do you think of this? Oh uh, you know, the comments to me weren't that surprising, given what he'd said about John McCain. You know, he, he said, oh, I think, what did he say about McCain earlier? He had said, oh, I prefer it when people haven't been captured, you know, about his time in, in Vietnam. He had yeah. made this exact kind of remark before. So my the, the biggest thing for me was the level of surprise and pushback around the story. I mean, people were shocked, but I, to me, it sounded like things that Trump had already said before, you know? Absolutely. I don't know if I heard the suckers before. That was a new little icing on the cake. Right, right. But the disrespect to, you know, to anyone who was not him, I think, is, was, is, was so clear and, and, and part of a pattern of how he's talked about military veterans in the past. Absolutely. Mitra, what about you? What did you think of this story? Were you surprised? No, it's like I'm tired of people acting horrified by the things he says and not focusing on the things that he does. It, it's exhausting. I'm bored of it. I don't, I like not like, it's just I'm tired of like seeing a million headlines about him saying a word when like in the meantime, he's doing a million worse things that people totally. either don't know about or don't care about. And it's like, yeah, he's, he could also still win in November. Does not, not he's uncancelable. I think yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, this isn't like stopping the people who like him from liking him. It's like, oh, if now if I show them the word sucker, now they'll see how evil he is. <laughs> like, it's it, not it, changing anyone's mind. I was just laughing the whole time reading it. I was like, cause it just, it got so much worse, but you're right. Um, this is for a guy who likes to talk about cancel culture all the time. Trump is literally the uh, most uncancelable person. There's no, like he's beyond it. Yeah. He's, he's simply beyond it. He's Teflon. Um, all right, I'm going to move on. This was the week where 
Nancy Pelosi was caught on camera at the salon in San Francisco without wearing a mask. And as someone far to the left of Nancy Pelosi, I can tell you uh, I've never felt identified, more identified with her than at this moment because I also maybe had an illegal haircut this week. I was wearing a mask, but, but I just feel, I feel kindred. I feel kindred with my Italian uh, paisana. Um, Pelosi says she's been going to the salon for years, okay? She's the same salon for years, and she says she was set up by the salon owner who this week went on Tucker Carlson to talk about how she had been wronged. Um, and I just want to say, first of all, Pelosi was absolutely set up. There's no question in my mind. But also, if there's one thing that will turn you into a MAGA Republican, it's having to cut Nancy Pelosi's hair every month. Like, I can would you imagine? I, like, the, the, it would hurt me so bad if the woman who cuts my hair did anything to me. I, like, I never want anyone to like me more than the people, the, the women in my life who have cut my God. hair well. <laughs> You know, when they're always like, they're always like, what are you doing tonight? You know, that's like the favorite line of when, when stylists, they'll cut your hair and they're like, what are you doing tonight? And you're like, I'm watching Netflix on my couch. Like what? I I never have anything going on. When I lived in New York, I went and got my hair cut from this woman for years. And it's really hard to find someone who cuts curly hair well. So I really like treasured her and cherished her. And the last time I ever went to her, and you'll see why it was the last time. We had never really talked about anything real before. And then um, we would always have fun. But then the last time I saw her, she was mid-cut, like halfway through cutting my hair. And she's like, so those girls were making it up about Bill Cosby, right? <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, no. You can't say anything. You just... But she was halfway through the cut. Right. <laughs> You have to be like, well, wow. I was like, There's how do I answer this in a way that like leaves with me still having like good hair, exactly. <laughs> but, but also is it me being like, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't uh. say yes to that. But also the, 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 the kind of the incredible thing with that is that there were so many women who had come forward about Cosby at that point, right? Yes. This it would have like, like of all the cases like, after. Like this is like this has been going on. It's not like right in the beginning of all this. This was like like he's like on trial. <laughs> <laughs> it was a test. She was that was a setup, Mitra. That was also a setup. <laughs> Nithya, what and did you make of this Pelosi, Pelosi. Uh, the the blowout that caused the blowout? I mean, yeah, I, it was, uh, it, <laughs> I honestly couldn't even really believe it. I couldn't just that you're, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that you would get set up going to a hair salon. <laughs> the whole thing seems so absurd. It's, it's also so just the absurdity of it in comparison to the weight of the problems that we're facing. Like half of California is burning you know, like so many people are dying of the pandemic and we're worried about, I mean, it's just. It's absurd. It's, you it get to this amazing. point. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you get to this point where you're reading headlines and you're just thinking, why am I reading this? This has no relevance to anything important that's happening right now. Uh, the it Republicans, felt- uh, salon owner went on Tucker Carlson, the prime time most watched show in the country. And I watched it. I was like, let me just hear this lady out. And she has had nothing to say. Just nothing. Like everyone, you know, when a story is like everyone's bad on all sides, you're like, just 
you cancel each other out. It's a, uh, it's uh, how I felt um, when uh, Hillary Clinton was gone after by um, Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard and Hillary Clinton were fighting on Twitter, and I was like, I don't like either of you. Let's just move on. <laughs> like, no. It feels it feels really like I I'm a, a huge Real Housewives fan, and it it really felt like that like having drama with like, cause all the women on real housewives have these like very fake relationships with people who are on their staff where they're like, she's my best friend. I pay her a bunch of money to be around me. And it really felt <laughs> like worst case scenario, real housewives vibes, which I But love. you're Pelosi. Like one, you should have gotten a haircut at your house. Number one, two, you pay everyone a little bit. You tip well so that no one's going to set you up like that. Um, for those who know San Francisco, it was the Marina the marina, which needs to break off into the Pacific, honestly, uh, just go away. The marina is like, uh, it is nothing but Lululemon leggings inside of Lululemon leggings uh, and a bunch of, you know, uh, tech money. So y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm, uh, we're moving on. This is a non-story, so we're going to move on to another important non-story. This was the week where... George Washington University professor of African and Caribbean diaspora, Jessica Krug, made history not by revealing she was a white woman who'd been posing as an African-American woman for years because been there, dull as all that, but when she canceled herself. That's right. Jessica Krug was the world's first recorded self-cancellation, you guys, uh, which begs the question, can you actually do that? Can you cancel yourself? Um, Krug uh, also wasn't just white. Um, she was from Kansas City, which is the cradle of caucasity. Um, and she was actually Jewish. She was Jewish and she was posing. It's like, is being Jewish and from Kansas City not like interesting enough for you? Like, come on, girl. Um, I just want to say, white people, Embrace your culture, okay? Just like you, you're fine, all right? You've got yams with marshmallows. You've got frisbee golf. You've got hundreds of years of cultural hegemony over other cultures. Okay, maybe you do, do need another culture, but like, honestly, <laughs> find something else. Start crocheting like everybody else. Did you all read this Try story of Jessica? <laughs> Try pottery. Oh my God. Um, I did read the story. I, uh, I mean, it, it's crazy that it happened this way. I feel like, yeah, so much has happened this week. I feel that this has happened a decade ago, but I guess it's because this has happened to us before as a culture. <laughs> we have been, you know, but you know, fool me once, shame on you. It's sad. Like, it's truly sad, like, for... I don't want to have that much empathy for her, but you look at these stories and you're like, what's this? The solution isn't to like look at people of color with like suspicion. I mean, God knows I'm constantly people are like, what are you? You know? And I want to just say like you, you, if you think I'm Latina, I'm not. And if I don't correct you every single time you think I'm that I cancel myself. All right. I cancel myself. Yo me cancelo. You know what I'm saying? Um, but no, but it's hard because like at the end of the day, you're like, most people don't parade around as other races and we shouldn't like look at people with suspicion. It's really just about this person who clearly is insane, you know, clearly fucked up. And like, 
used being another race to their own advantage. Um, I don't know, Nithya, if you were to pose as another race, what would it be? <laughs> not not a on. question I've given any it. thought to whatsoever. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. No. So funny. Exactly. That's what I'm saying, though. It's like, I feel like this is a little bit of a like, it again is a non story because it's so insane. I'd like, I'd just like to recommend hobbies. Just try hobbies. Yeah, hobbies do, are wonderful. Do, try hobbies. If, if you want to do something like that, just consider, consider hobbies instead. Yeah, exactly. And maybe hobbies that, like, you know, aren't necessarily appropriating other people's culture. I'm just saying. Rose is still good. <laughs> it's it is a pastime it is brunch is a is a hobby and an activity and white people all people can participate um this is the week where i love how nithya is like i don't know how to respond to this let's keep going and you know what nithya it only gets worse it only gets worse the oh, next no. story is, is only <laughs> crazier um it's not actually that bad this is the week where osama bin laden's niece <laughs> Osama bin Laden's niece, Noor bin Laden, revealed herself as being both, this is real, a QAnon believer and, yes, a Trump supporter. She told the New York Times, the New York Post, <laughs> big difference, <laughs> only Trump can prevent another 9-11, which coming from a bin Laden sounds less like a perk and more like a threat. Um, the young bin Laden is also uh, probably forgetting that since March, Trump has been the mastermind of at least 63 9-11s. Um, and this time, they definitely were an inside job. This pandemic is all of the wars. It's all of the terrorist attacks. Um, I, I love this story, you guys. If you have a chance to see Noor bin Laden, she's in a full track suit, a MAGA track suit with a MAGA hat. And uh, maybe this Q, this Q person is on to something. I I think I might have dropped out for a moment, you guys. All I good, just missed dude. a lot of what happened. These uh... That is a convenient excuse for ignoring the Noor bin Laden story. <laughs> I, I, I heard the first part That of was it. a very good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Nithia, I heard Nithia the first part of it. behind the blackouts across. <laughs> yes, that's right. Nithya's like, what, what? Um, yo, Nithya, if you get elected, can you do something about the weird QAnon people who put signs up over the freeways that are like, save the children? Or is that beyond your scope? I guess if the highways are here. They're here. They're here. <laughs> Probably not across the country. There, well, I would, I would hope you would spread after you get rid of the Q people here. But, um... We can certainly uh, work to remove these banners. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Yes. Huge announcement. Breaking news. Yes, exactly. Breaking news. I'll add that to my platform for sure. I appreciate it. <laughs> Please visit the, for the city.com. <laughs> yes, exactly. I saw of the Q banners um, in addition to, you know, Green New Deal and solving homelessness. <laughs> um, finally, this was the week where several boats sank that were part of the Trump boat parade in Austin, Texas, because Mother Nature is a socialist, God is gay, and people who believe Trump should be reelected also believe they can drive a boat after six Bud Light seltzers. 
Um, MAGA heads online, of course, are calling the reporting fake news. They say the boats didn't sink. They just converted into submarines, dude. But, Wait, yeah. people really said they didn't sink? Did no. They? Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> really... The studio Sorry. audience has been cut out, so you can't hear the roaring, roaring laughter. <laughs> I just um, you never know. Like, I, I feel like, like... I'm never surprised anymore about like what people say didn't happen when it did. Like, <sighs> I know. And, and I have a prime example of that. Uh, I want to show you that this apparently is a survivor of that boat sinking. You know, I'm getting a bunch of calls and texts. So I figured it'd just be easier to jump on Facebook and let everybody know, but I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Um, Yes, that was my boat that went down on Lake Travis during the Trump boat parade. And I I don't know what happened. I just think we had too many MAGA flags on the boat. I never thought I'd say that, but we had too many MAGA flags on the boat. And the wind picked up. The current shifted. I couldn't tell what was port and what was starboard. A bunch of other nautical terms happened. One thing led to another, and I was in the water, and I turned around and she was gone. The SS Margaritaville is gone. And I love that boat. She was my personality. And them flags would be lowered to half mast tonight if they hadn't been lowered to the bottom of the lake earlier today. Okay. <laughs> that was comedian Brent Terhune wow, at I, Brent Terhune on Twitter. I thought that was, I was like, is this real? This doesn't feel real. <laughs> but, you know, I did read about this, um, this boat sinking incident. And one interesting thing about it was that there were, apparently there were no conditions that would have led to it. It was just that there were so many boats in the water for this boat parade that yes. the waves started getting really high. And then eventually some boats were impacted and... So it was, Too it was a man-made, man-made, yeah, man-made disaster, <laughs> which I was just, again, it feels, you know, there's so much real bad stuff happening and I couldn't believe this was another story that we were reading. It just felt so terrible and unreal to me. Felt unreal. It did not feel like it could be true. <laughs> yes, that's right. Did not I feel would, like it could be true. I'm really excited for... Uh, you should actually call this segment, honestly, with all of the stories that you presented today, you should... Well, I don't know all of them, but you should call this segment, is it real? Did it actually happen or not? Did it, true. It's so true. <laughs> did, was there actually a setup at Nancy Pelosi's salon? <laughs> was there a boating accident? Because too many boats were invited to the water. Did Bin Laden's niece endorse Trump for president? And who and knows? knows? Not and in all of those cases, my answer, my instinct would have been no, no, that didn't really happen. Oh come on! So I, I think the MAGA boats going down were very foreseen. I'm looking forward to Steve Bannon's um, rendition, dramatized rendition of what happened. Um, you know, it would just be like do 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 do. Draw me like one of your memes, Jack. Trump Tannic, women and children last. <laughs> That's what it would be called. I just wanted to do that bit. That's all the title. <laughs> Trump Tannic, women and children last. Scene. Scene. <laughs> um, Bannon's there. Okay, guys, 
Nithya, Mitra, thank you for going on that epic journey. With me. I'm <laughs> sorry that those stories were so unbelievable. I felt like I had nothing to say. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I, was just, like, I have no we, comment. We just pick your 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 mouth up off of the floor. It's sure. fine. Yeah. It's I fine. already feel so delirious and dehydrated just because of the heat here. And then hearing those stories, I truly like <laughs> nothing is tethering me to this. To reality. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. But let's, nothing let's... about this year has been real. I mean, truly nothing about this year has been real. So you, no. you we can just keep going and it's more true. In yeah. fact, we're going to have a 2020 bingo card. I want to ask both of you what you think has yet to happen. But that is after, Nithya, we get into your campaign. And it is after I say, hey, tip the show. TBR-live on Venmo. TBR-live on Cash App. Yes, I wrote those jokes. Yes, I put too much effort into it. Yes, I scared Nithya Raman, who's like a really big get for this show, <laughs> with half of the things that I said. Do I care? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> do I hope she stay? Do I kind of hope this, there's a blackout again and I just leave? Kind of. <laughs> Tip the show, Venmo, whatever, TBR-live on Venmo, TBR-live on Cash App. <laughs> Let's get into the main sitch. Nithya Raman for the city. Uh, I am so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to talk in this moment where I think there's been a lot of attention um, turning to local politics, yes, and and um, and actually, uh, Mitra, your work recently under this pandemic, um, creating thousands of hygiene kits for the unhoused population, um, and working with um, is it it's Sila, right? In, in yes. conjunction with Sila, which I know Nithya, you actually helped found. So there's like so much synergy happening here. I love it. <laughs> um, and Nithya, you began to, you began your campaign before the pandemic, before the George Floyd protest popped off. Now, what has changed? Why? What 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 feels different now that we're running in such unprecedented times? What feels different? Well, so I'll tell you what you know. What was challenging, or what was the biggest challenge facing us in the primary, and. So in LA, historically, we've we haven't had a lot of municipal voter participation, right? So we have these huge districts. Our city council districts are so big; they're a third the size of congressional districts. Uh, people who are in city council are, are really powerful. We have a weak mayor, strong council system. But in even in our district, which is a relatively high participation district, mm -hmm. um, out of two hundred and fifty thousand constituents maybe 180,000 registered voters, 24,000 people total voted in the last election for this city council seat. When we were knocking on doors in the primary, there were almost no one who knew who their city council member was, you know? Yeah. So we'd knock on their door, we'd be like, hi, you know, I'm with, you know, I, I say I am, I wouldn't say I'm with Nithya Raman's campaign because that would be very weird. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, wearing through, a different so. hat. You're just like, hey, Hello, I'm from here. here. Do you know her? Yeah, do you think she's cool? Yeah, do you think she's you like One her hair? <laughs> <laughs> just look, what do you think? <laughs> well, arguably you are the most with Nithya Raman's campaign. <laughs> yes, that that's true. <laughs> I'm yes, I live I I breathe Nithya Raman's campaign. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so we'd go to doors, we'd say, you know, I'd say, I'm Nithya, I'm running for city council. Do you know who your city council member is? And me and all these other volunteers that were going out, nobody knew who their council member was, not one person. If you asked them, they maybe they would say Garcetti. They knew their mayor, but they really didn't know who their council member was. And so the biggest challenge in the primary was trying to get people excited about local politics, was trying to tell them, you know, hey, here's why this matters for you. Is your rent too high? Well, the city council could have taken action on that and they didn't, but they can if you elect the right people. Are you facing eviction? Do you have the resources you need to prevent that? Well, city council can supposed to be helping with that. Or, you know, if you're not directly housing insecure, do you see more people living on the streets near your house? Do you feel compassion for them? Do you think that this isn't right? Well, the city council can do more about that too. Do you see your air getting worse? Well, we can improve that. So on everything that I think shapes our lives in the city, our council can take so much action. And so the challenge of the primary was going out there and telling people that the council matters. Mm -hmm. Well, then the pandemic happened. Then this historic uprising happened. Never before seen numbers of people in the streets protesting against police brutality, against Black Americans, but also I think people making connections between racial injustice as a bigger issue and kind of what America looks like today and people making those connections with their local government for yeah. the first time. You know, they were seeing, oh, you're talking about police? Who funds the police? Who you, who determines how we respond to um, any of the issues that we face at the local level? Who makes planning laws? So I think a lot of people, I saw a lot of kind of people sharing information about redlining, about re the reasons why um, so many cities across America are so segregated, racially yeah. segregated, Ooh. you know? And and so so I think now it, it's a totally different election. And even the pandemic contributed to that because I think people saw in the pandemic a total failure on the part of the federal government, Yeah. right? And so Absolutely. people started really focusing on, okay, what can my state government do? What can my city government do? Yeah. And so it became this thing where now it's not, it's much less of a situation of going to people and telling them that your city matters, but much more about going to them. And we're only virtually going to them because obviously we can't go knock on people's doors anymore, but virtually going to them and telling them you can do better than this. You know, yeah. your city government has the power to take action on all the issues that you care about. And you know that, and guess what? Things can change. Absolutely. So that's, you know, that's a really big difference. And we had a huge number of volunteers in the primary and in the general, we have even more. And, and so, so just, many just to clarify in the primary, you, you basically came within striking distance of the incumbent yep. uh, in district four, David Rue, and that you got about 41% of the vote and he got 44. Yeah. No a little over 44. Yeah, that's right. And no one reached 50%, which never happens. An incumbent never gets pushed into a runoff in LA. And wow. we did not never, but very rare. And we did it, which was incredible. Yeah, exactly. Woo! <laughs> that, baby. That's right. That's Woo! right. And I feel like, you know, and I feel like the the attention paid to local government has made it, has brought a lot more enthusiasm and a lot more energy to the table. Yes. So, you know, it's very, it's a very exciting moment. Yeah. I mean, I think I look at BLMLA and the ways that they've put you know, uh, a people's budget on the map. And they've been talking about local politics for a long time and, you know, city budgets for a long time. And since the George, George Floyd, you know, murder and then protests, it's like 
all their groundwork that they've been doing is even more relevant than ever. And someone like yourself, who already had so much excitement, Natalie Portman endorsed, no big deal, um, now is seeing like, oh, now I care about who my city council member is. Right. Now I see Nithya for the city. Um, so what, why, I mean, I, I really am interested in this one. I saw that you, you said that your work with Sila and starting, you know, working around um, homelessness and issues of housing justice really affected your run because you, yeah. and, and I want you to talk more about that, um, but sort of the idea that a lot of nonprofits are doing the work that government should be doing. So yeah. tell me more about that. Uh, well, you were asking about Sila and why I think Sila yeah. shouldn't exist. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, Sila is incredible. It brings an incredible community together. But the work that we're doing to me is really the work of the city. That's what the city should be setting up. It can be contracting with service providers to do it. But if the city were doing its job, I think residents wouldn't have to get together and do the kind of work that we were doing. So I, one of the reasons that Sila exists is because when I worked at at City Hall in 2014, I worked briefly um, in the city administrative office. And I was look, I was looking at what the city was spending on with regards to homelessness. How were they responding to it? And how much money were they spending? And what were they using that money for? And in that work, what I found was that the city was spending over $100 million on homelessness. And almost 90% of it, 87 million, was being spent on putting unhoused individuals into jail. And what they were being put into jail for were were never things that they would actually get like you know they would never go to court for these things right so they were right. what I would classify as if you can call them crimes crimes of poverty so uh, it it was things like sitting and sleeping on the street it would yeah. be something like drinking in public right and so we actually analyzed the data over the last five years and out of five hundred thousand arrests that have happened in the city of Los Angeles over the last five years. 55,000 of those arrests have been for drinking in public. I mean, it's just, it's astounding, right? It, it, so what, and and how, how the city responded to homelessness then by putting people in jail felt to me like a very deliberate choice by the city. Yeah. What they wanted to do, what elected representatives wanted to do was to have a quick response when people would call in and complain about a homeless encampment near their house. You know, and so the quickest response was to send LAPD, sweep that encampment away. When in reality, what we should have been doing was investing always in outreach workers, in mental health case workers, in housing so that people would have a place to go to um, and to really helping people get off of the streets. But in the absence of that, uh, after I left City Hall, I came back to my own neighborhood. I live in the Silver Lake neighborhood here. There, are, there were no resources here at all. There was nothing. There was not a single bathroom. There was not a single shower. There was not a single walk-in shelter bed. And so me and the other people who started SELA came together because we wanted to put those services here. We wanted to make sure that people who were experiencing homelessness in this neighborhood, of which there were an increasing number every year, yeah, we wanted to make sure that we had a services-focused approach here. Yeah. And, and I, that's what we tried to build. And, and I feel like if the city had been doing that all this time, we wouldn't have had to do the work, you know? Right. They would have if we had been. I mean, I think what what really I think part of the reason the George Floyd protest also popped off was because, like you said, we saw such an absence of the federal or of the local government in this pandemic. Right. It was like suddenly, you know, 
for lack of a better term, everyone's got their dick in their hands. It was just like, it's very like, uh, what, what do we do? And I felt like, so side story, like some people were passing out pamphlets in my neighborhood and they were wearing hazmat suits and it was all about COVID. And I was like, oh my God, this is so great. Local government's like actually like helping us. They're Scientologists. All right. Okay. And it's the Scientologists who are spreading the most helpful information about COVID. Oh my God, they believe in aliens. So, you know, like then right. once the protests happen, we're like, oh, here's where all of our money is. Here's where it is. It's in policing black and brown communities, policing of free speech, true free speech. Um, so what have you made of the city council and how they've reacted? Actually, I feel like L.A., unlike New York, maybe has had they've cut more from the from the police budget. They seem a little bit more amenable to change. You've pulled your opponent to the left for sure. You've had a huge yeah. impact. Tell yeah, me about I, how, how it's moving. Yeah. So I think, I think we have, so I think broadly speaking, my election in a small way, but I think these protests in a much, much bigger way, right, have shown the incredible difference between the values that most Angelinos hold and the policies coming out of City Hall, right? There's this incredible gap. And that gap has been revealed so clearly over these last few weeks over these last few months. And so I think what we have now is a city council that is realizing that policies that are more progressive, policies that take money away from policing and put it into systems of care, uh, that this actually is not just better policymaking, it's also po potentially policymaking that has real electoral resonance, right? Yeah. And that if they don't do it, they could have impacts in their own elections. And so we've seen some movement in the policies coming out of City Hall in response. Like we've seen, I I was, um, you know, I think it's not enough, but there was a hundred million dollars put towards a rent relief fund uh, that was in response to the pandemic. That's a lot of money. That's a significant amount of investment. And it it's federal government money, but still, I mean, the fact that it's being put towards this issue that's a big deal for Los Angeles. Right. The kinds of eviction protections that have been put in place, they're not good enough, but they're much better than what was in place before. The fact that they're talking about a right to a lawyer now when you're facing eviction, right? These things are things that we had pushed for in the primary. And I didn't think were possible in many ways with this current council. And yet because of the push from the, from, from the pandemic and then from the protests, Things like taking away money from the police budget. These things are I never thought would happen are now happening, mm -hmm. right? But but I think there was a there was a a vote last week, um, which was on Wednesday, which was a vote that I think was really telling about where we are in Los Angeles as a whole. Um, and this was a vote to open up our police contracts, uh, which had increased police um, salaries significantly coming into this year. In fact, even before the pandemic. The increase in LAPD salaries and overtime was so big as a result of this contract um, that uh, the city had asked um, all departments to look for cuts to be able to finance that. So that was pre-pandemic, pre-economic devastation, right? So that's how big this contract was. And there was a vote to actually just open up those that contract again to see if it would be possible to push 
the implementation of that contract by a year, essentially to delay the contract. It was not a vote on the contract itself. It was just, let's just open up this question of whether we can delay this contract for a year. Yeah. A very mild vote that was voted down nine to three, right? So despite the fact that there has been some policies, progressive policies that have come out, I think what is becoming clear is that the work still remains, mm -hmm. right? There's an incredible amount of work that remains to be done in terms of pushing this council to meet the moment with the spirit that it deserves, you know, yeah. to really implement transformative change in Los Angeles. And that is, I think, the work that we as residents have to do. Um, that is, as we as people who are civically engaged have to keep doing, we can't look away from the city again. We have to keep our eyes on it. We have to make sure that we are holding them accountable for making these big changes as much as possible. You say that we can end homelessness in LA. And I want to know, because at this moment, you know, people are facing evictions. Yes. Um, I think small landlords are like, but what about us? The banks are coming knocking and right. you know, they want right. us to pay. How can we end homelessness unless we go after the housing market predators like banks, like finance? Like, is that possible? Do you, you've worked in this for so long. I think what we've had in Los Angeles for a really long time is a significant focus on the private real estate market. And it's not just in Los Angeles. I think in Southern California as a whole, there's been a huge focus on the private real estate market yeah. relative to other, even other cities in America, right? So this a figure that I always share, which I find really um, illuminating is the number of public housing units we have in Los Angeles compared to a city like New York. So in Los Angeles, we have less than 10,000 units of public housing. While in the city of New York, there are 160,000 units of public housing, right? So, so there's there's a real sense in LA, partly because of the unique history of Los Angeles, partly because of the Southern Californian history and our local political history, we have really emphasized the private real estate market and, and, and not invested in other kinds of options for people. So that means when people aren't served by the private real estate market, there is no safety net for them to fall into, right? right. And so I think for me, how, what does it mean to end homelessness here in Los Angeles? Or what does it mean to address the housing crisis here in LA? I think you know we've laid out a big strategy on my website, which involves increasing the supply of affordable housing as opposed to just incredibly expensive housing, which is what our housing policies have built in, resulted in in LA. But I think it also means making sure that we are expanding our supply of publicly funded housing. So build, investing in public housing again and finding a source of funding for that at the city level that can expand those number of units uh, so that we can catch people when they're falling out of the private real estate market, you know? Sure. I think it means spending heavily to make sure that people who are facing eviction or people who are having temporary hiccups in being able to pay their bills in their private, uh, you know, in the private real estate market, that we're supporting them to stay housed with every resource that we have at our disposal. So that means making sure every person who's facing eviction has that right to a lawyer, making sure that we have small rent stabilization payments or yeah. rental assistance payments widely available to people. Right now, it's a very, very small fraction of people that have access to that, right? And But there's so many more people who need that money uh, than can have access to it. In fact, mm -hmm. last year, 
our our um, unhoused population here in LA went up by 14% this year, right? According to the most the latest homeless count, which are numbers from before the pandemic. So we don't know what is going to happen now. Um, but before, even before the pandemic, the numbers went up. And the reason why that rise was so surprising is because so many more people fell into homelessness than even the city was able to house. We housed more people than we had ever housed last year because we're spending more on addressing homelessness than we ever have before. But so many more people lost their homes that our number increased by 14% here in Los Angeles. Right. right. It's like, it's a, it's just a whack-a-mole sort of plugging one area because of the ecosystem of housing right. is such that you really, it can't just, can't just work on one end. I mean, right. And I, I, so I, I think the private real estate market is, you know, I, I think that the public funding can't do it all, but we can do a significant amount more than we have been doing, you know? Yeah. And so that I think is the most important part of being able to proactively address this issue. Awesome. And I just want to pivot. I know it's a long, it's a long conversation. It's a long pod, but I love it. I'm so happy that you're here. I feel so I'm very lucky. happy to be here. Sure. Yeah, no, that's what you're saying to me now, but later you'll be like, that was weird. Um, no, the green new deal. Mm -hmm. We are in Los Angeles built. I mean, it was Henry Ford's, you know, um, uh, vision of America and uh, it's killing us. And uh, I know you had a tweet earlier about um, city council voting to not uphold emission standards. Was that, am I, I'm going to, I'm clearly messing the, that up. No, no, that's okay. At the port of LA. So the port of LA is a big, you know, a big polluter, big contributor to um, uh, emissions here in this area. And yeah, recently they voted to reduce emissions requirements uh, at the port, which I think is is problematic, especially, I mean, I was just out today. The heat was so intense today. Yeah. It was some of the highest temperatures ever recorded in this, in LA today. Uh, I look up at where all these fires are happening across California, and I just feel this intense sense of urgency. You know, I feel this sense of I feel this intense sense of urgency that I feel like is so not matched by the ambition of the people in power to address this problem with every tool at their disposal. You know, yeah. I feel like we're up against it now. And if we don't move and feel that urgency, then I don't know what, you know, I really don't. How can we implement Green New Deal style changes uh, on the city level? So I think uh, we have a really, really important tool to do that here, which is that we own our publicly owned utility. We have a utility that the city owns, the Department of Water and Power, right? That's what we're all paying our bills into. Mm -hmm. And that's a unique tool that we have. Other cities don't have that. And so that means we can tell that utility, you need to get to 100% renewables by 2030. And we know that's possible. Scientists have done studies on talking about how a city like Los Angeles can get to real 100% renewables, uh, which really focuses on solar, um, you know, and, and using big solar plants out in, out, out in the desert that can supply us energy plus distributed solar here in the city, um, even you, uh, allowing for apartments to have solar on top of their yes. roofs. Yes. You know, there's all these different ways in which we can actually get to that number with, by 2030. That's just 10 years away. You know, we can get there. And I think we should be pushing for that, but we're not. We've, uh, we've, I believe we have a deadline of 2050 or 2045. 
both of which are too late, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I think that, right. Right. And so I think that's one thing. The second thing is to look at energy efficiency. So a lot of homes need are, are really poorly insulated. And that means that the energy we use to heat and cool them is incredibly inefficiently used, right? And so we could have a big retrofitting program, energy efficiency retrofitting program, yes, where our DWP uses their profits to subsidize those efforts across the city, right? Particularly in neighborhoods right now where they can't, people may not be able to afford to do that in their own homes or where people are living in apartments, which means that they may not be incentivized to invest in energy efficiency improvements in an For apartment. Sure. They, they don't, don't own their homes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that that's a place where the city needs to step in. If that's a goal that we have, then that's a place where the city really needs to step in and do the work. And so those kinds of programs are not just programs that will get us to a better place in L.A., but also they're big jobs programs. Yeah. Right. So that is, I think, what a Green New Deal part of what a Green New Deal vision for L.A. can look like. It's not just that we're going to get to a better place in terms of our um, uh, in terms of our energy usage, but also that we're going to be funding good jobs through that effort and that we have a vision of how those jobs are going to help us get to the future that I think we need to get to right now. Absolutely. And if you're listening, DWP, uh, please go easy on me this month because, man, I'm really just using a lot of that power, using a lot of that pee. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, it's ironic. We're in the middle of these blackouts as you're talking about this. We all know sun goes down. Your house is hot as hell. It's cool outside. What do you yeah. do? You run the AC. It's it's stupid. Um it is it is very ironic if you were an alien looking down in the situation and looking at L.A., a place as sunny as it is and knowing that we're not harnessing the effing sun. I mean, we're doing it we're, more. We're just not doing it enough, you know, sure. and it's now, really cheap now. It's really cheap to do it. That's great. I thought Trump raised the price, but maybe not here in California. Um, quick question. Will Natalie Portman still support you even if you raise her taxes? <laughs> I hope so. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> um, Nithya, thank you so much for being here. Um, I want everyone to go to your website, which is NithyaForTheCity.com. NithyaForTheCity.com. If you're here in L.A., if you're not in L.A., find out about Nithya's campaign. I know they always can use volunteers, make the calls. Um, November is coming up. There are so many exciting local elections. If Biden doesn't excite you, Nithya does. Um, and let's move to our final segment and make Nithya sort of even more cringy than she was before and try to bring in Oh, Mitra. Mitra's back. <laughs> yes. Right in time. Oh, my God. The drama. Of the drama. <laughs> That's Can't say we didn't bring the drama to this episode. <laughs> we talked all about you when you were gone. It was oh super. Shit. We were like, look at those pit stains. They're so actually big. my nightmare. So <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I quit. Um, all right. Final segment. We have a we have a tradition on the Bituation Room, which is new segment. Never done it before. Our new segment is what's left on your 2020 bingo card. Maybe, Mitra, you had some time to think about this one. Okay. I can also go first. But just so you know, let's let's run down some of the things that have happened. 
a global pandemic, meaning we can't leave our homes, uh, massive unemployment and uh, precarity, um, the biggest uprising since the civil rights movement, Mitt Romney marching for black lives, Kanye running for president, Lindsey Graham, known as Lady Grey by male escorts in D.C., who he hires, <laughs> Osama bin Laden's niece is a MAGA chud, what else could happen? Like, honestly, raging wildfires. What else? What else? What is left? What is left on your card? So I think for my card, it is personally be the one to uh, make a species of endangered animals extinct. Like, actually, like, hit it with my car. <laughs> You're going to do it. Well, I think I'll like accidentally hit it with my car or like step on it or something. But I, for me personally, that is what I'm looking forward to in these next few months is oh personally eradicating. <laughs> I hope it's the mosquito or something. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <bad. laughs> Sound off in the comments. Which, <laughs> which animal should I kill off? <laughs> Let me know. Um, that's so funny that you would think like of all, cause everything that's happened, this whole, someone says LA earthquake. Yes. The, everything that's happened this entire year is like, it's no one's fault. Like none of us could have foreseen it. I love how Mitra, you're like, it's totally going to be my fault. I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If that gives you any insight into like what my therapy sessions look like. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> it's just, it's just goodwill you. hunting. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, beyond winning your election, which I hope everyone has on their bingo card, what else? What else will happen in 2020? Uh, I feel like this year has been so outrageous that the only thing on my bingo card is that the animal, there will be like an animal uprising. That's my. <laughs> wow. Really? Like spawned yeah. by Mitra's hitting a car. <laughs> yes, a exactly. car. And in retaliation, that there will be an animal uprising. <laughs> the skunks are mad. Yeah. This is a skunk. Yeah. Oh, I, I, animal uprising is great. Suddenly, like, our cats will, like, pull a knife on us. We'll be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I mean, this is partly because my husband wrote a graphic novel, which he published online, and it's partly about that. And so I've been reading it. And um, so I've been thinking about animals a lot. And there are actually... Pick. Yeah, that's right. Um, there are all these, there are actually websites on the internet that track where there's been weird animal like things like octopus, octopuses. How do you, I don't know what the plural of that octopi Hi. escaping their, um, their tanks and doing all kinds of things. Dolphins yeah, doing, yeah. I mean, it's, there's a whole world out there. And honestly, at this point, I'm ready to believe it. Why not? You know, I can't fuck with calamari because of that. I'm like, they're, <laughs> they're they too know. smart. No, they know. They'll come and get you for that. They, they definitely <laughs> will. They will read your mind. They're, yes. You know, the octopi that like eat their neighbors in the aquarium. Those are so scary. They like latch. <laughs> they're like doing combos. And yes. You know? Yes. Um, they are very, very smart. They can uh, un unscrew jars. They can do all kinds of things. Uh, Bob. Dabolina on YouTube says urban raccoon rebellion. Uh -huh. I believe it. Uh -huh. I oh, and um, and here in Los Angeles, there's actually been a, I believe, a rodent 
uh, increase. So there's uh, like mice in everyone's house now, rats in everybody everybody's house. So I do. I mean, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I'm bunking with you. It is. It's happening. It's You're happening. An, another huge announcement. You'll see it on the website later tonight. Look, if you could get rid of the Q signs and the the raccoon uprising, Nithya, you got this election in the bag. Just those two things. I, you know, I would say that rather than getting rid of the raccoon uprising, maybe we should have raccoon council members. Maybe we should have. Well, that's why you're the one that's running for office. That's right. You got the big right. ideas. You got them big ideas going to bring the raccoons. And can you imagine day one? Amazing. Um, I think Trump's going to get COVID. He's going to get COVID and leverage it. And then he's going to like maybe drink his own like concoction vaccine poison and it will or won't kill him. I don't know. Maybe he'll fall into a deep sleep and Ivanka will be the only one who can wake him by a kiss. Um, I did say Ivanka, not Melania, like some, some health thing with the president. Um, I don't know. I haven't consulted my crystals yet on it, but this is someone's getting COVID and or getting poisoned by the Russians by the end of the year. We will see. Um, I'm kind of glad Bernie is not running because I'm like, he's safe now. (laughs) Yeah. He wasn't the nominee. He's safe. We'll probably lose because of it, but at least he's safe. Uh, Nithya Raman, Mitra Johani, thank you so much for joining me and dealing with all the technical issues, with the blackouts, with the ridiculousness, Mitra charging your phone in the middle of this. Um, I'll t- I wish I wish everyone could see the way that the room I'm in looks right now. I've just been like throwing wires around. <laughs> <laughs> Mad scientists, except for like nothing works and I have no solutions. <laughs> like, um, how can we follow you and also find out more about your work and get and help you? Um, so you can follow me at Tweetra Johari on Twitter. So it's tweet R A J O U H A R I. Um, and that's and at Mitra Johari on Instagram. And then um, if you want to get if you're in L.A. or even if you're not in L.A. and you want to get involved in all the hygiene kit stuff, you can check out um, tinyletter.com slash hygiene kit Mitra. And I send out very infrequent updates. I will not annoy you <laughs> or I might, but I just won't email you that much. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Stay cool. Be well. Um, Thank I you. approve of the lime green onesie. It's adorable. I don't care the pit stains. It does not matter. And Nithya, Nithya for the city.com. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Oh, I'm glad I, you, you, uh, you, I'm glad you listened to your advisors or whoever's behind the scenes and we're like, sure. Why not? <laughs> Famous last words. Nithya Raman, you're amazing. Go hang with your awesome family and your adorable twins. And best of luck in November. Thank you. I hope to have you back on. She'll be too big for this show when she gets elected. She'll have like city council things to do or whatever. Um, But I hope to be in her inner circle of um, mafia comedians who, who like, you know, do her bidding. One can only dream. You guys... Andrew's on YouTube, Tom on Twitch, uh, Tanish23 or 32. I'm a little dyslexic. 
Thank you for being here as always. Thank you for your generous tips. The tip jar is a little empty. TBR-Live on Venmo. TBR Live. We are donating to donating to seed the vote. Seed the vote. Uh, seed the vote. That means plant, not give over your vote. Make sure you draw that distinction. Seed the vote. They're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much to my wonderful producer. I was trying to find a different adjective because I said wonderful twice already. My amazing producer, Becca Roofer, for being here every single week, as you guys are. And remember, we're voting. We're voting for Biden. I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I don't want to hear it. We're voting for Biden because, uh, you know, Bernie's not there anymore. And I'm a Bernie babe, but uh, I will vote strategically against fascism. And that's what this is. John Lewis took a bat to the head for our right to vote. Let's exercise it. And also because the other option is someone who's encouraging his supporters to vote twice. So let them send it in and let them go vote. And if their system's as good as they say it is, then obviously they won't be able to vote. That is illegal. I don't think you can hear me. All right. Remember, don't just bitch about it. Be about it, guys. Bye.